Hello and welcome to the Learning That Sticks podcast. I'm Mark Williams from GiraffePad, the learning platform for learning journeys. In this podcast series, I'm chatting with experts from around the world of learning and development, exploring with them their different ideas, techniques and methods, their magic source, if you like, for creating learning solutions that truly stick. In this episode, I have the double pleasure of chatting with Erica Farmer and Hayley Bird from Quantum Rise. And we're going to explore the subject of digital learning and how we make sure that digital is as sticky as any other form. Hayley, Erica, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us, Mark. Great to be here. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having us today. It's just brilliant to have you both here. Um, Now, before we delve into the sticky stuff, maybe we could get you to, for the benefit of our listeners, to give a bit of a background as to your career in learning development to date and how you've got to the point where you are now with with Quantum Rise. Maybe we kick off with Erica. Brilliant. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, so, gosh, 20 years corporate learning and development. It's gone in a blink of an eye. I still feel like I'm starting out in my career, actually. But I've been really lucky to work with some of the UK's largest brands, such as British Gas, LV, Specsavers uh, and Virgin, in in various different roles, partnering, design, delivery, technology, a couple of head of roles in there uh, as well. Um, The roles that I've really enjoyed have been the uh, technology-based roles, interestingly enough, um, was kind of very busy doing live interactive webinars for LV back in 2010, bringing together financial advisors and underwriters. So I've been looking at kind of the live online for quite some time now to set up the business and in partnership with Haley last year. Uh, so we're really excited to be um, working with some great clients in Quantum Rise and a fantastic L&D network and doing some really exciting stuff. So bringing together that insight over the last 20 years and being able to really challenge our industry with what's happening now. Fantastic. Thank you, Erica. And Hayley? Hi, yeah. So uh, so I've, I'm, I'm about 13 years, I think, now in various education skills, learning and development roles. Um, and I kind of cut my teeth in the employability sector, which was where I where I started out and started to fall in love with L&D, I suppose. And it brought together a number of different skills that I just found a real strength in. So uh, in terms of the virtual space, I was, I was a, a true face-to-face trainer, I think, for the first half of my career. I love people. I love being around people. I love the energy of the room. Um, And then about five years ago, the business that I worked for started to reduce travel which meant that we went through quite a lot of training and understanding and learning of of live virtual classrooms and delivering training in this way. And we went through a whole project of converting all of our materials into the virtual space. And I just really quickly bought into the concept for a number of reasons. So I I realised that you can bring the energy and what you love about the the classroom into the online environment. So I really bought into the idea of it. Um, But also for me, in my own personal life, it gave me so much more flexibility and work-life balance because I just wasn't traveling around the country anymore so I've got two young children and and it just played in timing wise really nicely with that as well so since that I've just been been mastering that craft really and if there's one thing that I've learned it's probably that uh, that it never really stops you know you're learning all the time there's new things coming out all the time to build and develop which is another thing that I love about it and then uh, what, when was it February 2019 I was made redundant from from the organization that I worked for had a bit of maternity leave with my second child and then set up my own business like last January, uh, worked so closely with Erica and we've partnered this year to, to set up Quantum Rise. 
Fantastic. And, you know, if we put this into context, so hopefully this will be a timeless episode, but if we put this into context, the change that hit our industry when the pandemic started with, uh, I mean, Hayley, you mentioned about individually being a face-to-face trainer, and there were so many of those out there. And if I'm honest, my background is running my training business. I was all face-to-face. Um, it was such a transformational change for people to have to move from that face-to-face space to digital and virtual delivery. But you two seemed like you were ahead of the curve slightly and, and, and ready for and prepped and primed um and i would i guess you know in the context of what we're going to speak about um maybe a good starting point is that if we think of all of those lnd practitioners that were very much around face to face it would be fair to say without any kind of criticism and myself included probably didn't believe that virtual and digital delivery could be sticky would that be a fair assumption to make Mm. Yeah, I think one of the things I'm hearing a lot, not just from trainers, actually, but from managers trying to engage with teams um, virtually as well, a number of different in a number of different contexts is I, I want to get the energy up in the room, but I don't know how. So what they're finding is and one thing that I'm hearing a lot of is that that they're facilitating a meeting or a training session and they just have a load of black boxes and silence. And it's not that they don't want to engage or bring people in, but the techniques that they're trying or that they might fall back on in the classroom just aren't working for them. Oh, absolutely. And Erica, from your perspective of really embracing technology early on, um, how have you found this change where it's now, you know, in reality for most of us, it's now the norm rather than maybe the exception. How have you found that change over the last couple of years? I think it's a mindset thing. It's a, it's a, it's a shift for people to make. And the exciting thing I found is this has given L&D an opportunity to truly have that seat at the table that we've talked about for so long. So we've we've had an opportunity and I've seen some amazing businesses and we work with some great clients where L&D are leading the business's digital strategy, leading the conversation around virtual meetings, learning, hybrid, you know, what's the opportunity here, inclusivity, access, accessibility, you know, we found our kind of what we're going to be famous for, which I think a lot of us have struggled for so long. You know, we, we've battled against the what's the return in investment and where's your happy sheets and where's your reporting and your numbers, which naturally we're not great at because we're very kind of people people. We're not typically, although I'm not, you know, not speaking for everybody, we're not typically numbers and detail people. So I, I found it really positive and, I, and I've also found and seen some People do some amazing creative things in the online space as well. But you have seen, and we're seeing it now, and I'm sure, Mark, you've seen it as well, that parting of the waves at the moment. We've got the people who were always inherently in-person, face-to-face, and that's what they're going back to now. And that's that's fine. That's great. There's absolutely a space for that. And there's clients that still want that kind of training and businesses that still operate in that way. Um, However, the other parting, the other side of that ocean, as it were, in the parting of the waves... Is, is those that really embraced it earlier on. And we have a fantastic network of um, delivery partners and L&D partners who really bought, bought in and jumped on board with that. And they're the people that are saying, what's next? But not just not what's next in the um, shiny, shiny, let's get excited about it. What's next for our teams, our managers, our our learners, you know, what's next in terms of putting them in the centre of these experiences now? So I'm starting to hear so many great things of what we've all learned over the last 18 months and what what does that mean in terms of our next stage of design, delivery, facilitation, et cetera? 
Do you know, it's really, I, I love that point you make there that um, L&D might finally be finding their seat at the table because it's such a, a scenario, isn't it, that it's, it's I, my perception always has been that it's been a very submissive part of a business. It's a, a part of the business that has been asked or told what to do and then deliver something and kept almost at arm's length. So that idea now that because they've embraced digital and digital isn't just about learning, it's about, like you said, meetings, it's about all sorts of collaboration, um, they can start to take a leading line and it is, is absolutely fantastic. Um, so let's take a look because the purpose of this podcast is to really understand about stickiness around learning and, and some of the things that my experience over the last year and a half, which I think has been really powerful about this shift, and it's not necessarily about the virtual element, it's more the shift of having to move away from big solid blocks of learning, like a two-day workshop, and we cover everything in two days, where you can't, you know, nobody really wants to sit staring at a screen for two days. So we naturally brought into shorter sessions. We naturally had to strip out content, which means there were different ways of accessing that learning that weren't always about a facilitated area. So there's loads of loads of positives that have come in there. Um, but what of course, it is possible to take maybe just the way you did face-to-face and bring it into the virtual world, and that might almost certainly not work and not be sticky. So maybe we could start at the beginning stage and look at uh, design elements. Haley, you mentioned in when we were chatting at the beginning about one of the elements that makes it sticky isn't just about being a really good virtual presenter or facilitator. It starts at the very beginning with design. <clears throat> Yeah, absolutely. I I truly believe that stickiness sits in the design of your programme. One of the things we've worked with a number of clients now, hundreds of clients in in the design methodology of online learning. And one of the key things that we pull out from that training is really understand for every single part of this workshop, if it's 90 minutes, for example, know what your point is, know what the key point is for each individual part of the workshop and break your key points down. So what that allows people to do and allows learners to do is to be able to think for themselves so they'll look at a question look at a concept have a conversation run an interaction to to really understand this point themselves and then we get the facilitators to consolidate that and build on their learning so you're kind of looking at being really clear on the key points and designing in such a way that's getting the learners to think for themselves so going back to what Erica was saying before about really understanding and putting the learner at the center of this process and this experience and and just it, there's just some really simple design methodology which sits around this to say, well, actually, I don't need to tell you all this content. You know, I need you to get I need to get you all involved. And there's two points to that. One is that we know that people are going to, you know, learning will stick more if people have come up with the answers themselves. And the other point is it makes it more engaging and interactive because the facilitator is forced to think about regular interactions throughout their session. So there's a key point in there around sort of the structure of your design and challenging yourself to be really clear on the point and what you want people to get out of each individual section or or part of the training and you know being really visually stimulating more slides more images more uh, broken down information into smaller chunks And then to your point as well around, you know, this isn't two day workshops anymore. We can actually take two day workshops and put them down into much smaller chunks. So the other part of that is the stickiness of the learning comes from being able to learn it and then straight away go and apply it and then come back the next day, the next week, later that week to build on it, reinforce it and add to it. So everything that you learn is just being practiced straight away in real time and in the context that it's meant. 
And, you know, there's such a key point to that as well, isn't it? So you, you look at the advantages, the disadvantages, you're unlikely to run face-to-face sessions, unless you're maybe the internal team, but certainly if you're external providers coming in, you're not going to run 90-minute face-to-face sessions every other day or every other week because it's just practically not possible. But the virtual world makes that possible and actually provides much stickier learning, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Erica, do you, would, you, would you add any elements on that on the design stage? I think as we move into this hybrid world... That's almost your fundamental, everything that Haley's just talked about, which, which is why it's important to get virtual as good as you can before you then step into the next stage, is that that's, that's, that applies. And, and that's the same methodology and principles, having people on a virtual platform and people in the room or various rooms in different rooms. You might be virtual, they might be in the room. It's the same kind of methodology, really, but also putting another layer on top of that. So, you know, you're almost designing for the, the virtual participants and the in-room participants and, and the mistakes or the, not the mistakes, but kind of the burden that I'm seeing for people starting to go with this already is they feel like the weight of the world is on their shoulders. They have to spin that plate and they have to spin that plate. And actually where the trick comes in and Haley started to talk about this already is having your learners own their outcomes, having them come up with the answers, having them come up with the solutions. So, you know, yes, it's around short, sharp, ap- applicable skills-based sessions. So you do your knowledge up front somewhere else, perhaps in a more blended method and, and use the the, the, the the skill of the facilitator to bring that to life in skills rehearsals, role plays, however you're going to do it in line. But also that design methodology, making sure that actually, you know, that person on Zoom, that person in the room, you two are now going to spend the next hour together offline on a one-to-one, on a phone, whatever it might be, coming back to do this exercise with the group. So you can be really creative with some of this as well, online, offline, short sessions, buddying, pairing. And that all comes down to exactly what Haley was talking about in terms of design methodology. What's the end in mind that I'm trying to achieve rather than making it shiny, shiny all the time that we can be a little bit guilty of at times. I really like that notion that, you know, it would be a really easy assumption to make, wouldn't it? I've got some people in the room here and I've got some, some people on a virtual platform here and I've almost got to treat them differently, whereas you're actually bringing them together in the groups. And, and there's, there's technology that facilitates that super easily. Um, and it doesn't need to be, well, you all break into groups of three and you will put you into breakout rooms and mix them together. And it's a simple way of bringing that group together so it's all accessible at the same stage. Another thing for me that kind of draws out of everything you're saying here as well is you're, you're being super clear about the points. You want the, some of the knowledge and the theory dealt with beforehand in some form of blended learning. So this is all about practice, reflection and genuine learning. The other element for me that is crucial, I think, that is if you're good at this or your, your intention is to make this great rather than just good, is you don't need to use your 90-minute session to warm them up to learning or to icebreak or to get them familiar with each other. That all has to happen before. You know, if you've got a two days in a hotel room somewhere, you've got a coffee machine outside, you've got cakes in the morning, you can kind of get that engagement going. But with virtual, short, sharp, snappy virtual sessions, that all has to happen beforehand, doesn't it? Yeah, and and, and it happens naturally in session as well if it's facilitated, right? Because if you're bringing people in, you're asking for people's opinions, people are building on each other's ideas. And over a longer programme of a number of 90-minute or two-hour sessions, that that will evolve naturally anyway so again it's about focusing on the learning as being the key point of the session it just makes your sessions much more focused I think 
So let's pick up, though, Erica, I think you made a point there about the facilitation. So there's clear elements that you can design in to make a, a digital virtual session, whether it be hybrid or, or purely purely virtual, work particularly well in a shorter space of time, breaking it all out. That bit, I think, is really clear. We're all absolutely in agreement with that. From a facilitator's point of view, there's still that sense that I'm still working with a group of people. Okay, so I can just use exactly the same way I might facilitate in a room on a screen. Yeah, and I think that's been... Uh... People don't know what they don't know. And this is still very new to a lot of people, isn't it? And I think a lot of people hand on heart would say, I picked up what I did in the in-person space and I did the same in, in the virtual. Um, and there's new methodologies and thinking and, and ways of doing things coming out all the time that supports this. And we've worked with a lot of businesses and, and, and individual consultants to say, you know, what's the impact of doing that? Just talking at people for 90 minutes. Oh, I'm running 90 minute sessions. Okay, what are you actually doing in those 90 minutes? Oh, I'm putting people into breakout rooms. Okay, what else are you doing? What else are you doing? Long gone are the days of, I'm going to set this exercise up. I'm going to do a 20 minute brief. You're going to go off for an hour and do this, this, and this. That's not how it works anymore. And bear in mind, we've got all these people that I, I say coming up against the three Ps, which are parents, Partners or or, or, or um, parents, um, sorry, partners and pets and pings. So you've got things pinging all the time. So your sessions need to be interactive and engaging. You need to be asking people to think about, reflect, use the chat, put an emoji up, you know, uh, give their thoughts, you know, every five minutes or so. So that, so that half an hour of going off and doing something is, is consolidated now into that five minutes. So as a facilitator, it, again, it's around your mindset it's thinking, even with your session plan, have a little column that says interaction on it to prompt you in your session rather than just talking for half an hour, which we could have potentially done in the in-person space. There's also lots of opportunities, and this applies as much in the hybrid space as it does in the virtual space, around using technology like rotational whiteboards. Jamboard is a great free app from Google. Most people got a Google account, can access it free of charge. Um, and you've got something that people can be working with either on their own device. So again, we've talked about bring your own device for quite a lot of time, but do we actually do that? Let's bring in tablets and laptops and phones to the classroom as well as the virtual space. Let's trust our learners. Let's empower people to use technology in the right way. You've got polling apps like Poll Everywhere. One of my favorites, so easy to use. There's a free version of it again. Let's let's make sure we're utilizing because as a facilitator, I'm shaking it up all the time. I'm stopping that cognitive overload just by throwing a lot of information at you because you're consolidating in lots of different ways. Mm. Do you know, there's a, a phrase that our listeners will probably get bored of me saying, but uh, it's interesting listening to you there and, and Haley's points that I think I see it as being relevant to any kind of early intervention, but even more important with, with what you're describing here. And it was a phrase that I saw in a LinkedIn post that basically said, um, light theory, heavy practice, deep reflection. And I think it really resonates with what you're describing here. It's like you've got 90 minutes with, with this group of people, whether it be hybrid or not. 
Um, I say 90 minutes, obviously it can be any amount of time, but it should not be taken up with a facilitator presenting lots of deep, heavy theory, because that's just, you are, you're going to get the pings, the parents and the pets in the background, all the screens going off, aren't you? And, and, and the disengagement there straight away. And actually, just because you're virtually means that's not an excuse not to have practice. You know, it probably comes very naturally to facilitators in a room or an environment where they can start getting practical things. They bring out their toys and do stuff. You've just said, isn't it interesting? I mean, 10 years ago, the notion that you'd ask people to bring their phones into a training session <laughs> and now we're saying yeah bring them in because you're going to interact with the hybrid buddies that are on the, on the, on the virtual platform um, and actually the reflection piece can be done as well either individually I saw a post just earlier actually where someone was saying in a, in a train the trainer session saying there is nothing wrong with giving people the opportunity to be in a breakout room on their own to reflect on things it doesn't have to always be mass groups of fun actions it's still interactive in their own way isn't it I find one of the thing with the tools in webinar platforms, and this is where it's the technology is important, but it's the engagement techniques that really matter because you go to the traditional use of all of the tools. So you ask questions in the chat box or the Q&A and you use your emojis maybe every now and again if you come back from a break. Um, you go into breakouts to chunk down into smaller rooms. But think outside of that, you know, think more creatively about how you can use these tools and how you can design your session to use the tools differently and to make sure that that they're varied because I think if you go to the same interaction every time people are just going to get used to it especially if it's a three or four session program by the end of it they get it um, and they're getting a bit lost in the same technique so injecting new things and new ideas will help again to keep that level up. Isn't that interesting because as I was listening to you there Hayley I was thinking back to the face-to-face sessions and thinking did I always just use a flip chart? Yeah. <laughs> now, that same tool. And, and obviously there's lots you can do with a flip chart, but it was almost, other than when we started being able to paint whiteboard paint on walls and other stuff, that was essentially our only interactive recording of things. Whereas now technology is moving at a pace and there's so many different versions. I mean, Erica, you mentioned a few of them. And, and I imagine if we were to chat in six months' time, there's going to be even more wonderful tools out there that can bring that variety in there for sure, isn't there? Yeah, Absolutely. definitely. And, and like Hayley said earlier, this isn't just about L&D. Um, yeah, and, and this is another message that we try to talk a lot around at Quantum Rises. If I'm a line manager and I, I've got hybrid workforce or uh, I'm a remote manager with a, a remote team across the world, even in the UK, yeah, these are tools that I can be using as well. I can be getting my team to problem solve or collaborate on a whiteboard. You know, I can be gathering the opinions of my team if they want to make a joint decision on something on an online polling system. So this isn't kind of L&D geeky tech that kind of blows people's minds or kind of confuses people with the terminology. These are general workforce, human people, behavior engagement tools. That's where this stuff is starting to go. Absolutely. And that gives you the advantage that people become more and more familiar with them, isn't it? It's not like you have to introduce the tool to them in a learning session because actually it's what they use. And actually, I mean, I'm citing it again, but I mean, it wasn't flip charts weren't just an L&D thing, were they? I mean, groups that had meetings would use a flip chart or a whiteboard. So it's a similar concept, isn't it? Is these tools can be used yeah. across, the, across the business for sure. Yeah, I think sometimes we just need to push people's mindset on things a little bit because we get in our comfort zones, don't we? And we kind of, that's what I'm comfortable with. Um, quite recently, 
recently, we, you know, we've um, seen a massive surge from Zoom to Teams usage, particularly at the beginning of the year, because a lot of businesses are saying, right, we're recognising this isn't a short-term thing now. We are going to invest in Teams accounts. You know, Sky was um, Skype was decommissioning. Everybody went to Teams. So a lot of L&D practitioners were coming to us going, we've, we've got Zoom licked. We understand how Zoom works. How do we use Teams in the same way? Because it doesn't have annotation. It doesn't have an external whiteboard. It doesn't have this. It doesn't have that. So actually, we've gone out and challenged the market again to say, well, what else can you do? Don't get stuck in the platform conversation. It's so it's so wider than that. Absolutely. So you've, you've prompted a question for me there that is a sometimes a little bugbear for me, is that um, if you think about anyone involved in learning, doesn't matter what your, your subject matter is or your context is, it's almost always about encouraging change, isn't it? You're encouraging someone to change their mind or their behaviour or their skill set or whatever that might be, it's change. Um, I've definitely experienced over the last year and a half a number of people in our industry, in our sector, who are resistant to change themselves. Yet this is what we talk about all the time. The whole world we're involved in is change. But actually, yes, like you said, I've mastered Zoom. I'm going to stick with Zoom. I don't want to learn how to use Teams or WebEx or anything else that might be out there. We had to uh, challenge our mindset significantly, didn't we, Erica, last year? Because we, you know, we loved Zoom. We designed all of our programs around Zoom and we were working with some clients to really bring that to life. It was having great results. And then more and more clients were looking at Teams and being able to do something in the same way. So we really challenged ourselves to go out there and think, well, okay, you know, what can we do with this? And I have to say, you know, 12 months down the line, it wouldn't throw me either way. There's fantastic things you can do on both platforms because we've really shifted our mindset now to it not being about the platform um, and there's there's alternatives to almost every exercise whatever you're running in whatever platform that that you're faced with so but it is definitely you've got to overcome your own preconceptions or challenges or things that have gone wrong with with certain platforms to to move on, move away from that but there's so much you can do with it and yeah, uh, people love it and great facilitators are adaptable, aren't they? Because, you know, there will be plenty of time back in the face-to-face world where you might arrive at, at a building having anticipated a really big space to work in that has all of your flip charts and whiteboards and suddenly you're chucked in this tiny little room with very few chairs and no tools to use and you have to think on your feet. And in a way, that's the mindset you're talking about here, isn't it? It's like, it doesn't really matter what technology is there. Your your prime role is to bring everyone to that party, engaged, learning, practicing, reflecting and get to those outcomes, regardless what you're using and sometimes I think we 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 almost uh put ourselves on the back foot by saying that we're about learning because we're not really about learning to your point we're about performance Mm. and change and results and uh, empowering people uh and and all those other things it's, it's interesting how we put it under the learning learning and development kind of bucket you know it's I don't know a lot of organizations now um are in them they're now called employee experience or they're called uh, performance or they're called whatever it might be you could argue the titles are supposed to the cow come home but the significant piece again there is mindset isn't it what are you there to achieve what's the end in mind you know what are you there to support people with really um I think it's important to keep that in mind First and foremost, rather than, oh, I'm involved in learning so I can use a shiny toy. So I wanted to pick your brains on a couple of things because I know we mentioned this at the beginning, that part of your mission of what you do at Quantum Rise, and especially in this digital space, is recognising the world of learning development been on a journey for the last year and a half and might have got good 
with virtual and digital that you're more interested in going from good to great. Now, we've already shared lots and lots of ideas, but it'd be really interesting maybe putting you both on the spot and saying, you know, what are, when you pick out two or three things each that you feel take that kind of the, whether we call it performance or learning, whatever it is, really up to that level of great that in my mind, great equates to being sticky. You know, that's actually going to work. They're going to achieve the outcomes they wanted or more at some point in time. So what would you pick out as that, that those steps that make it great rather than good? That's a good Hayley, do you want to go first? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the, there's, there's some things that are sticking out for me. One of them is regular varied interaction. Uh, that that really does make the learning sticky because, and when I say regular, I think Erica said earlier, you know, at a, ma- at a maximum, you should be talking for five minutes, it, even less than that. You know, I think every two or three minutes, one way or another, I'm asking my learners to do something, think about something, respond to something. And that doesn't mean big exercises. It can be short, sharp reactions using the emojis. It can be a quick hands up. It can be um, bigger activities using breakouts, jam boards, polls and things like that but every two three minutes bringing in some kind of interaction and varying it as well so that that is something that we really go to Um, and then the second point for me is that's that visual stimulation so making it look good You, you know you don't walk into john lewis electrical department and see a load of grainy tvs on the wall that they're trying to sell you you know people like to look at things that look good so i think the more impactful your your I don't even like calling it a presentation, your resource looks online, the more inviting that is. People want to look at it. They're they're interested to see what's going to come up next and making it really relevant to your topic. So that visual stimulation is really supporting the learner recall as well throughout the session. Now, can I just, before we go to Erica, Hayley, I love both of those points. And the reason I love them both is that I don't think really they're specific just to digital and virtual because actually if you think learning isn't passive you imagine if you 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 know you're that face-to-face trainer thinking it's okay if I talk with them for half an hour or two hours I mean that just isn't helping people get to where they need to get to and if you've got dull slides or dull flip charts or dull resources to hand out it doesn't matter what medium you're using for the the session does it and actually that great so in other words it doesn't really matter what medium we're talking about. These are great facilitation. These are great performance outcome tools or, or out, uh, skills that you can use, aren't they? Yeah. I suppose that I suppose that one of the key differences is when you're in a face-to-face environment, you've got other ways to gauge people's attention. You've got a whole room that you can refer to. You've got the people. When you're online, you are looking at a screen. So even though it feels if you're immersed in it like the people are there, you are still looking at a screen. So the opportunities for things to look at, you need to really maximize that. Um, and if you're sitting on the same slide for 10 or 15 minutes in a virtual environment, you're gone, you know. Yeah. Um, whereas if a, if a, if the same slide was up for ten or fifteen minutes in a face to face session, there'd be other stuff going on. So I suppose that's how I differentiate that. But yeah, absolutely, it's just that keeping people interested. It's like a heightened awareness, and it comes down to this whole point: you you've got them for less time, you've got them in a different medium, they're staring at a screen, so you've got to be absolutely interacting every second of the way. Yeah, Erica, what would you add? What's your your uh, tips from good to great in yeah. this area? I think it's uh, getting it out on the table, particularly when it comes to stakeholders, whether you're in corporate, employed, whether you're a, a provider coming in. It's it's showing the art of the possible. And we're always about asking the question, what else can we do? Is there anything else better out there? How else can you make this even better? Whether that's through a virtual coaching program, a leadership program, if we're upskilling um, other L&D folk, 
and you know, and and we've just had a big client come back to us with some amazing feedback to say, two years ago we wouldn't have even entertained virtual digital learning because our mindset was everything's face to face; it can't be as good. We know it can be as good, if not better. Um, and and that uh, and that that client is now building, and it's a very significant client based around around the world is now building their learning culture based on digital learning and working with us to do that because they can see the art of the possible, making it visual, making it pe- enabling people to feel and experience the art of the possible is is exactly what we're all about. And sometimes that's. You know, if, we, if we've got a client who's potentially looking to work with us, oh, I'm not too sure. I've heard some terrible stuff. Let's let's get on the session. Let's show you how it works. Let's do a little demo for you. And they come away and think, oh, my God, I did not realize you could do that. And that's not always about technical skill, although technical skill is important. That's about um, knowing yourself as a facilitator and as a person. So what's your verbal leakage? What's going on through? What are you actually saying to the people in your session without realizing you're saying that to the people? That facilitators that I see, and and we call them out in our programs. Oh, oh, that's not working. Bear with me, guys. I'm just going to restart. Oh, God, sorry, my breakout rooms. I didn't want you to go. And you hear them say all this stuff in the session. And it's stuff like that that can make a real difference because what's going on for the learner? Oh, God. She doesn't know what she's doing. Oh, I'm suddenly going to go on my phone. You've lost me. You know, so it's it's all of this element. It's, it's the subtle expertise that can make a difference. So when you do go to your big clients and say, hey, let me show you the difference this can make, and they have a fantastic experience, that is good to great. That is really taking it to the next level. Um, and, it, and it's not a thing that you do overnight. It's It's recording your sessions and watching them back. The amount of facilitators that still don't do that because they're scared of listening to their own voice and watching themselves on camera and things like that. That, for me, is the biggest development tool in this space that we could ever wish for. So it's just things like that. It's, it's, it's the courage, I suppose, that goes with it. Mm. It was That was exactly what I was thinking of as you were saying this, because, of course, you could set up a camera in a room and record yourself, but it's kind of daunting sometimes for the participants or it's, you know, it's recording all day long. This is perfect for self-development, isn't it? You Like you said, you record your sessions, you can see them back, edit through them, work through. It's an instant learning curve for the facilitator, for sure. Listen, these are really, really great ideas. I want to pick on one particular other area as well. And we, we've touched on this, we've talked about it, and you shared some great ideas around the hybrid approach. But I know that there'll be plenty of listeners who actually have moved to good in the virtual delivery. They've mastered Teams or Zooms and they're able to run those sessions. And their clients now or their their stakeholders will be coming to them with homeworkers that are based all around the country or elsewhere in the world with some people that are back in the office and the need to run hybrid sessions. So that could seem quite daunting. So you've shared some ideas about how you run them, but any of your sort of suggestions, your expertise, your experience, how someone sets about going about creating that and managing it so it works just as well. Who wants to, either of you. Hayley, do you want to kick off with that? Yeah, that's fine. So so hybrid learning brings with it additional challenges. And I think, you know, we'll talk about some of those in a minute, but it brings with it a whole host of opportunity as well, because you, you know, you, people get choice. And going forward, employees, stakeholders, whoever we're working with is going to want a choice as to how they manage their work, because I think that's something that we've just become accustomed to and something that people really value now after the last 18 months. Mindsets are changing, businesses are changing. So I suppose part of the, the shift to hybrid 
hybrid is is balancing that that need of the business and what the business needs and where they need their people against the needs of the individuals and really bringing the individuals back into that making some of those decisions so to have that as an option for businesses I think is a massive opportunity uh, for, for their teams so in terms of obviously what what comes with that is a risk around engagement again you know how do we bring where am I am I online and I've got a group full of people that I'm somehow having to facilitate in the in the space or am I in the room with three or four people and I've got 10 on zoom that are dialing in and I think that one of the main things we need to think about is um we it's great because we're nailing the accessibility people can get onto it they're there they can be flexible they can dial in from home the thing that 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 the risk there is the inclusivity piece are people being included in every aspect of that are we really thinking through those interactions to ensure that they're not just lending themselves to where we are as facilitators so if we're online it would be very easy to go down the route of using all the online tools we've been using but what happens to the people in the room and likewise the other way around so I think Erica touched on it earlier but really bringing those digital tools to provide that virtual learning that hybrid learning across different areas I think will really help with that I mean if you picture you've got a group of people in the room with their phones you've got a group of people online and you're asking them to put together a word cloud using poll everywhere for example so you set an exercise up they're all putting their answers in it doesn't matter where they are because they can all see the word cloud building they can all access it so so it's just planning in that additional interaction and Erica mentioned having your interaction column for your planning you almost want an interaction column for your face-to-face an interaction column again for your virtual and it's just about making sure that every single participant is included in each exercise absolutely crucial isn't it and it would be i mean listening to that i i'm picturing i can imagine how easy it would be to get that wrong and and favor yourself towards one group rather than the other uh, whichever way you are probably driven by where you are like you said if you're virtual you probably lend yourself to the virtual group if you're in the room you're going to lend yourself there so it's definitely being aware of that that differentiator erica what would you add yeah that that was exactly my build is understand your preference mm. Uh, you know, if you are a natural in-person or a natural virtual, then then experience it from everybody's point of view, everybody's shoes, because only then are you going to know and feel what the experience is. So I attended a session quite recently virtually. Uh, there was a group of people up north and I'm in the West Country. So it was probably about eight of us on Zoom and maybe 13 in the room. And we were just being carried around on a laptop. So there wasn't even a screen share of what was being shared in the room. Uh, you know, people in the room were all talking over each other. We couldn't hear the facilitator talking. Um, you know, the, the facilitator, you know, would uh, brief a, a, an exercise one side of the room and, and the laptop that we were all sat on was on the other side of the room. And, you know, and, and fair dues for giving it a go. They gave it a go. They ran a hybrid session but what ha- ended up happening is a lot of us kind of just switched off, what, tried to listen really hard to what was going on. They, they put us in breakout rooms and, and put the other people in the room, just exactly what you said earlier, Mark. And it just, it just didn't work. But it's interesting because we're in this space where we're learning at this at the moment. And hybrid could mean lots of different things. So, you know, try and very best understand what you're going to come up against. Is everybody in a room around one machine? Are they on their own machines? Are you in two different rooms next door? Are you on different machines sat opposite, but you're not on headphones? So we get feedback from people talking to each other because the, the, the audio's uh, bouncing around the room. So try and be almost get yourself a checklist to understand who's going to be where, what machines and equipment are they going to have? Um, and don't be afraid to be a bit tell 
around that. To your point earlier, Mark, we are a bit submissive. We're a bit three bags full sometimes, but actually we're the experts in this now. So if you need people to have a headset and their own machine, you make that really clear. And and of course, you've got your back pocket stuff. If people turn up and that's not the case, then you go with it as you talk about the uh, adaptive nature of that. But joining instructions, you know, contracts with stakeholders, comms up front, be be specific because that's going to serve you well in the actual delivery of the event. And, you know, that's one of the points I think you made at the beginning, Hayley, with design as well as like actually a key element of, of digital greatness in terms of delivery, facilitation, design, being as specific as possible. You, you, there's no room for ambiguity here is there, or complacency. The more specific you are, the greater it is. There. And Erica, I want to pick up on the phrase you used, actually, because listening to both of you describe this, I like this phrase of the art of the possible, because actually, rather than seeing hybrid and letting your heart sink and think, oh, my God, we've got five people that aren't going to be there. How am I going to engage them in the same things? I want to do this great exercise over there, but the camera won't pick it up. Actually look at it as a real positive. And I love this idea of mixing them together, not keeping them as apart. This isn't two separate groups of participants. They're simply in different locations and you've got to bring them together. That's your, that's your possibility, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 100%. This is about inclusivity and accessibility. And again, going back to our seat at the table for L&D, you know, this is around us grasping the inclusivity agenda and strategy. This is about us grasping the digital agenda, all of the things that are really important to business at the moment and making it practical and making an impact. And once you start having that conversation, the conversations around, you know, God, budget, you know, where's your return on investment, where's your, where's your happy forms, the stuff we talked about earlier, that starts to dissipate because actually you're showing your value in other ways which are more impactful to the business. Now, I've got a feeling we could talk about this all day. <laughs> uh, I think we share certain principles about how, and certainly this idea of great, and, and in my mind as well, I think it'll be great when we stop talking about whether it's digital or not. And again, it's just about enabling brilliant performance outcomes in whatever area, yeah. whatever medium we might be using, whatever tool we might be using, wherever anyone is, it really doesn't matter. What our role is, is to enable them to achieve those performance outcomes. Yeah. I suspect there's going to be a number of our listeners that are going to want to find out more about you two and about quantum right so where would they please share some links where, where can people contact you where can they find out more about you two and what you do thanks mark yeah so our, our new website www.quantumrise.co.uk um, do go and have a look um, we've got some case studies we've got some uh, podcasts and blogs and tips and tricks and sharing all of our kind of our insights and our uh, uh, we're, we're all about collaboration so there's lots of resources and interesting stuff on there we're also on uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, Quantum Rise Talent Group. And of course, Hayley and I love connecting and collaborating with people as well. So if we're not already connected on LinkedIn, then uh, go ahead and please send us a LinkedIn request as well. Fantastic. And Hayley, I'm going to pick up on your uh, your point about beautiful visuals earlier. If you like beautiful visuals, your website is beautifully visual. So uh, <laughs> it's worth looking just for the visuals as well. Listen, thank you so much for joining me, Hayley and Erica. It's been a real pleasure to hear your expertise on this digital world and especially the hybrid world. Um, we will share all of those contact details in the share notes. And thank you everyone for listening today. If you have enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe and give us a rating on your podcast app of choice. And if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on LinkedIn as Mark Williams and Giraffe Pad. Bye for now.